Sure, why not? How hard can it be? Wrong. <laughs> wrong. <laughs> Very wrong. Uh-huh. <laughs> um. You're listening to the Good Things Podcast. I'm your host, Taylor Mowry Burge, owner of Good Things Grocery and Chaparral Coffee, both in Lockhart, Texas, just outside of Austin. Yeah, maybe come Clover can find an apple in there. This past summer, I took a family road trip all the way up to New York and back from Texas. Along the way, I was able to stop in on a couple of small grocers that I've been following since we began our journey. It's taken me a minute and some learning curves to patch this interview together, but here we are releasing our first ever interview with Matt, who is part owner and operator of Westview Corner Grocery in Southwest Atlanta, Georgia. I'm Taylor. Taylor, nice to meet nice you. Nice to meet you too. Sorry, yeah. you've been waiting. Oh, just a few minutes. In fact, my cousin is still... I began following the story of Westview Corner Grocery back in 2020 when I was researching opening our own grocery shop. I followed every small grocery store I could find and then went back through and narrowed down the ones I really felt inspired by. Westview Corner Grocery was one I couldn't keep out of my mind. I often went to their social media page to see what brands they were bringing in, to marvel at the diversity of their product, the smallness of their space, the way they incorporated their community into their space. These ones, there's little, I mean, we might be able to consolidate them. Sure. So, I just put in new... I'm technically not here. I'm just doing an interview because I'm famous. Oh, Yeah, that's the way it goes. You walk into your shop and all of a sudden it's like everyone's asking you. Westview Corner Grocery exists in an urban neighborhood of Atlanta, Georgia. The front facade is an unassuming older building that has a large old script sign on the top that reads Thrift Town. As you walk in the front glass doors, you're immediately aware that you have found a neighborhood gem. Large windows grace sunlight that illuminates the smiles of customers and employees bustling about to gather their supplies and provisions. There are locals from all walks of life in the shop. Everyone knows one another and the sense of community is so strong. There's produce, there's beer and wine, there's organic snacks, there's regular snacks, there's cigarettes. There's an array of organic options at several levels of price. I wanted to know more about the history of this store and what were some of the markers that set this space apart from other small grocery stores that I had seen. So I sat down with Matt, one of the owners and operators of this small grocery store, and asked some questions. Several years ago, a group of neighbors got together and bought this entire building with the intention of occupying them with locally owned business and this particular location was occupied and it was a really really nasty convenience store none of these windows were here Mm -hmm. and this whole thing was just lined with people smoking cigarettes playing the the gambling machines Mm -hmm. Um, most of this was empty and just cheap beer when their lease expired um, two of the owners who are friends of mine in the building uh, contacted me and none of us had 
any experience in the grocery industry yeah. at all. Yeah. Um, but we were friends, and I had managed restaurants, and okay. they were like, do you want to manage the grocery store and be a part owner? And sure, why not? How hard can it be? Wrong. <laughs> wrong. <laughs> Very wrong. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, and so this group of friends and fellow neighbors cast a vision for this space. They wanted to create a space that welcomed the legacy residents of the neighborhood along with the newer residents that were moving in. The team set out to understand the ins and outs of running a localized market in a very diverse and rapidly changing neighborhood in the urban populace of Atlanta. We're doing the best we could, figuring it out with um, you know, the distributors mm-hmm. and the, the pricing and the cost, um, but with a vision that it was going to be healthy, local. Yeah, it's kind of like a really dynamic neighborhood where... This is Delane, who is the right-hand man to Matt and has been with him since the beginning. I mean, it is, you know, sad because some people are getting priced out. Okay. Um, but then, you know, newer things are coming in. So cool. It was called West End Park at the time. Um, mm-hmm. It's Westview now. Okay. Um, I mean, we were in the city core, but when it was started, and it was a what was called a streetcar suburb. In the 1900s, a streetcar suburb was a residential community whose growth and development was strongly shaped by the use of streetcar lines as a primary means of transportation. This particular neighborhood and many neighborhoods in the in the Atlanta area were very segregated. There were neighborhoods with commercial stores at convenient stops along the streetcars, and these dense commercial areas were surrounded by houses. This was a neighborhood. After World War II and the introduction of the GI Bill, cars began to change the landscape of the nation. This neighborhood had experienced massive white flight. The neighborhood declined because houses were empty. In the 1960s and 70s, the Nation of Islam and Black Panthers had a profound impact on the communities it engaged with. In neighborhoods like the West End, the NOI provided essential services and support to African-American residents. They established businesses, schools, and social programs that aimed to uplift and empower the community. The NOI's presence often created a sense of unity and collective purpose among its members. It's important to note that the Nation of Islam's teachings and practices have evolved over time, and different periods in its history have been marked by varying degrees of militancy and political engagement. In the context of this interview, the reference to the Nation of Islam highlights their role in maintaining and revitalizing the Western neighborhood during challenging times, as well as contributions to community building and empowerment. Mm-hmm. It's rapidly changing. When we opened, it was still legacy resident. You know, that was one of the reasons we opened here. So people were like, you can't open a health food store in a black neighborhood. Mm-hmm. We're like, you know, African-Americans buy health food and healthy as much or if not more yeah. than a lot of white people. The problem is no one was providing them the services. Totally. So if you only give convenience stores selling crap, then yeah. And then you create this... Oh, yeah. narrative that you've created yeah absolutely um, so when we opened you know who's always supported us was the the legacy residents were like thank god i don't have to drive to 
Trader Joe's now. Mm -hmm. I can shop in my neighborhood. Thank you for giving us a nice, clean store. When the group finally did open the store, the real nitty-gritty work of learning to run a grocery store began. One of the biggest hurdles was understanding where to even source products that were natural and organic. How does one even begin to source the products needed for a wellness grocery store? A lot of it was winging it. Making best guesses. You know, we were very fortunate that a lot of the distributors um, came in. There was some stuff on the shelf, a lot of it expiring. Yeah, I think UNFI came in pretty early on. Let me just jump in really quick and explain what Matt means by UNFI. UNFI is United Natural Foods Incorporated. They are the main supplier for natural grocery stores. I, I guess Patrick and Steffi found out about them. And then they bought, they brought in and free filled a lot of us. And that's what originally then stocked the shelves. So step one, create a space for the community in a neighborhood that has a need. They got that. Step two, figure out where to source products. They figure that out. Then comes step three, how to not waste your inventory, which is mostly perishable. Starting a neighborhood localized healthy market is a grand idea that seeks to create a tight system in which food waste is omitted as much as possible. Small shops don't work in the type of volume that large supermarkets operate in, so they literally can't afford to waste food. They also are adamantly opposed to it. The average grocery store sells or throws away 40% of their product. Right. And I think we're down to about 15%. That's awesome. Um, I mean, yeah. obviously some stuff you do have to throw of away. Of course. But if we continue to add steps to a, quote, successful small grocery store, step four would be how to get your customers affordable pricing. One of the biggest hurdles small grocers face is keeping their prices low. One of the ways Westview Corner Grocery has worked to provide this aspect of their business model is by joining a grocery cooperative named INFRA, or Independent Natural Foods Retailers Association. By joining this cooperative, they have access to better wholesale pricing, sales sheets, and budget organic brands. Infra sends out monthly sales sheets that Matt says excite people and increase impulse and sales shopping. People come in for the sales flyer, then come back and shop just the sales. They also have an everyday low price quote signature brand called Kadia, which is coming from Kehei, another natural foods distributor like UNFI. Westview Corner Grocery has used their relationship with Infra to offer a three-tiered system of products, the economical budget item, the responsible but still pretty affordable product, and their very eco-friendly product. Instead of having 15 different types of toilet paper, you have three. You yeah. have, you know... Your bamboo, all recycled, <laughs> your organic one, and then your cheaper one, yeah. right? Yeah, you <laughs> And so if you look at our spice rack, as you can see, we have three levels. So mm -hmm. that's, that's the key. But Obviously, not every small grocery has these practices. My own small grocery store isn't a part of Infra. I looked into it, but didn't have the time or resources to join. I also have a slightly different business model than this market. Every small market is different. Each one has a community that has yeah, their own needs. Just being able to be on like a personal level with almost everyone that comes in, um, I don't just feel like I'm, you know, like I don't 
care about anybody. If oh, they yeah. come in looking for something, I want to help them find it. Totally. Um, I want to, I, I mean, I, you know, you've probably been talking to Matt for a minute. It's, this is more than just a grocery store. Yeah. We, we have functioned as a uh, community cornerstone and this brief period of time that we've been here yeah. um, it's, it's just been uh, it's been an amazing journey this is the moment I realized the type of radical vision this little store deep in Atlanta has not only are they offering their neighborhood the best foods for their bodies they are seeing them really seeing them and asking how they can help and then helping Delano would agree with us. We are the neighborhood bar when you're sober. It is nice to see the area coming to life, but also that people who have been here, the legacy residents, aren't being, you know, cast aside and we're just you know, moving in like the new kids in town. Um, just being able to see people who have lived over here. 40, 50 plus years and have never seen anything like this mm -hmm. on this side of town and be able to save them a trip from having to go all the way to Midtown for something like this, um, it's great. This is why most people start a small business, especially a grocery store. It's to take care of people. It's to love on people. It's to be a part of people's lives. This calling comes with a sacrifice just like anything worthwhile does. You know, this is not a job that you're just done and go home. No. And also, I think everybody that gets into this particular line of work mm -hmm. is involved in the community, even outside. So we have, you know, I don't know any of them that aren't <clears throat> going to neighborhood meetings, aren't right. going to neighborhood events, aren't sponsoring, you know, the little league baseball, the little league baseball yeah. team, you know, mm -hmm. so it's, it's, you know, when I leave here, I'm going to go home and, and do some neighborhood stuff because I'm the land use chair for my neighborhood organization. Cool. So, I, it, you know, it's a community of people that care about their communities. What big business misses is the opportunity to know their community, to be an integral part of their lives. What small grocers and small business owners offer is beyond a product. It's a way of life, and it's a good life. You know, we are the community hub. Yeah. It's us and one of the bars down the street. Mm -hmm. You know, that's where you go. Right. And you're serving a social purpose. Yeah. That includes food, but yeah. you're serving a social purpose, yeah. and that's great. Westview Corner Grocery is a testament to community dedication and the power of transformation. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Good Things Podcast. If you did enjoy this episode and the other episodes, I hope you'll consider supporting me. This is currently a one-woman team. I am writing, producing, podcasting, all the things, and I would love to have more support in order to share stories behind local businesses that are making a difference in their community. Until next time, remember to support your local shop and keep your communities thriving.
have questions or comments, feel free to shoot me an email, goodthingsgrocery at gmail.com. Can't wait to talk to you next. See ya.